Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the I'll Try That podcast. This week we are going to be talking about a London craft brewer and independently owned brewery, Gypsy Hill. First, Rich, I've got a got some Brewdog news to share with you. More Brewdog news because the last Brewdog news we had wasn't wasn't the best, shall we say? It wasn't the best, it, as in it definitely was. You know, after after the I think maybe five positive Brewdog stories, there was one that was bad, and I've got another yeah. positive one for us. You know, that's how people's well, brain works anyway. They're just balancing out. What you think? Five positive stories to every one negative balances out. Do you think that's that's a good thing? Well, that's it. It's a rule for life that I live by. It's also because people do remember negative stories five times more than positive stories. It's a, yeah. it's a fact. It's a factoid right there. As, as I think you and you and Barbara terms or, or found that we actually do a lot more factoids on this show than we do facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's actually a really good fact. I like that one, Joe. Brewdog have agreed to a joint venture with Asahi. As we all know, Asahi, huge nice. Japanese monolithic brewery that own so many different companies and they've ag- agreed with Asahi to create Brewdog Japan. Now, Brewdog Japan is a joint venture which its whole purpose is to push Brewdog products into the Japanese market. So you might be asking yourselves, well, you know, are Brewdog already in Japan? This is the whole new market. They already have a Brewdog bar in Tokyo. So this is already one of the key areas that they've, and the, and the, yeah, the kind of countries that they've already identified. And you can find limited Brewdog already around Japan. But with this move with Asahi, who, let's face it, is the, one of the biggest distributors and, you know, beer manufacturers in, in Japan. This is going to be exponential, like, growth for, for Brewdog in that market. And I mean, like, Brew, Brewdog are big. And they're only getting bigger. And with this move, it's just going to be absurd. They're going to be coming kind of, I suppose, what they strayed away from their original roots at the root of the game, which is, which is, which is the way they should be going. They are big, they are good, and they're a really tasty beer. And we should try and get it out there more and more. But yeah, I think they may be straying away from their original roots. Yeah, I mean, I think, as you said, um, you know, you said there they've grown massively. I mean, there's a stat out at the moment they're valued at about a billion pounds. Um, you know, they're in discussions right now about being, uh, going through an IPO, you know, which is becoming a publicly listed company. Um, you know, so this is a big, big organization now. And, and actually to address, um, some of those, you know, the accusations that they were facing, you know, some of that bad news that we reported before, uh, that was coming out about this open letter that several former employees had written. You know, what Brewdog have done, and, you know, this is just coming from this article that I'm reading about this joint venture. They're saying that, you know, they've, they've, the company since employed an industry specialist and craft beer consultant, Ren Navarro, as diversity specialist. Oh, okay. He's also said it would appoint a mental health and well-being ambassador. So, again, it's, it feels like that advice that we gave them of start acting like a real, like a real company, a big organization, a corporate organization. Yeah. It feels like they're taking those necessary steps to actually clean up their image and look after their employees. I'd like to think they listened to our podcast and went, those boys are right. I think it just came from us. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to take 100... Us as a podcast are going to take 100% of the responsibility for Brewdog going in the right direction. 
I don't think responsibility is the right word. I will take the credit, though. We'll the definitely credit, take the, the credit. One, yeah, the credit. <laughs> well, we, we gave them a telling off and said they needed to yeah. grow up, and they've decided to do so, and that's all because yeah. of us. Well, well done, us. <laughs> Self five. <laughs> right. Less massaging our own egos and complete, you know, <laughs> hypothesis. It just doesn't exist. Um, let's talk. Let's jump into uh, our our brewery that we're going to highlight this week. Now, Rich, we're going to talk about Gypsy Hill Brewery. What can you tell me about them? So, drips. Yeah, I can't even get my words out. Why have Dripsy I Hill. Dripsy, Dripsy Hill. Gypsy Hill um, is one of those new breweries that has kind of um, come out into the scene. And so they kind of started going around in about, back 2013, where Charlie uh, and Sam uh, met at a craft beer institution, the Rake in Borough Market. Um, and they had some mutual friends, um, and they decided to start a brewery. Uh, they said they shook hands, drank some beer, uh, and got to know each other and penned a plan to put a stake into the brewing world. So they were they're just, just two fellas who enjoyed beer, enjoyed drinking beer, and you know you have those drunken conversations. This is how I can feel it went. They had those drunken conversations and went, we should start a bar. Or in this case, we should start a brewery. And they did. They followed and they through. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping ahead a little bit, I'm just looking at their 2015 when they've opened their first tap room again. We're going through the real history of, of Gypsy Hill for anyone that doesn't know the South London, uh, you know, kind of craft brewery, which is Gypsy Hill, which personally have been on my, you know, I've been a, a fan favourite of Gypsy Hill beers for a long time now. But when they opened up their tap room in uh, 2015, guess how much they were selling their pints for? Uh, in London. Yeah, it's so a South London. Yeah, well, don't know the bit where it is in London matters, but it's a London-based no, yeah. brewery. Um, I'm going to go. We, 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 we've talked about average pints of pri- pint, prices of pints. That's the word I was trying to get out. Uh, I'm going to go five fifty. Three pound fifty for all of their beers was what you could buy by uh, brewed, um, Gypsy Hill beers brewed at their uh, establishment, fresh from the tap. I can imagine the queues in that place were massive. <laughs> so jumping ahead into 2016-17 as well, you know, they were able to double their brewing capacity. They went from four tanks to 19 tanks, which is more than double. But, you know, I've, I've skipped a couple of tanks <laughs> in, this, in this summary. But come 2019, so they started out as two guys, very quickly became three. And they kind of stayed at that quite that kind of growing but smaller level for a while. Come 2019, they have 24 employees, 25 tanks, and they brew 9,125 hectolitres every year. You know what? Ever since learning about hectolitres, I just find it mad that, that, that that's a volume and that's how much people are producing. I'm just it just it just impresses me. Well, producing but also being consumed as well. I think that just kind of yeah, shows it, actually yeah. that how much how popular beer actually is and how it's and when when we talk about, you know, how beer is declining as a market, you know, this we're talking about obviously by percentages, which is obviously a huge amount of people who are going away from beer onto other things, but it doesn't make a dent in the amount of beer that's actually being produced and actually being consumed. No, it's, it's mad. I think I, it always reminds me of the, um, I think it's the in-betweeners when they're trying to get served underage and they just mention a pint. A pint seems a lot. You wouldn't drink a pint of milk. I think, I think that's the line. And it is. 
It, I'm just, it just blows my mind, just the measurements of how much beer is actually drunk. Well, a pint is obviously a very interesting... And I always yeah. find that actually a pint is, 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 is a lot of liquid to be consuming. Um, I think, I mean, countries like the, like the Netherlands and, and the Europeans, they drink a lot more 33 centilitres um, styled like beers. And, and, and I think that volume is, is right. And the Americans obviously don't drink pints at all. They drink less, less than that as well. So I do think we're just, that's an English culture um, necessity that we go with pints and pints is how we do it. And it's not even like a system that anyone uses anymore. I remember like we used to get milk in pints and that's all gone out the window. We now never get, like we're talking litres now. We've gone in the European yeah. scale, which I'm very happy to do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's it's fair it's fair play to them, and I believe that they're they're still staying independent as a brewery, which I find is really good for for such success and everything like that. We've seen a lot of un- other um, independent breweries in London be brought out by these big breweries, which which I'm not saying is a bad thing if if it is the right move for them, but it is nice to see a, a popular beer that is making it mainstream into supermarkets and stuff like that staying independent. I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. I'm a fan. Now, we've got to talk about their beers, okay? So they have six core beers, or what they refer to as a family of beers. Yeah. Now, you know, they went through a redesign in 2019, and they got all, all these beers got renamed. But I'm just going to list out the names of these beers. We're going to talk about what we feel about that. So... They've got Bandit, which is a gluten-free pale ale. They've got Hepcat, which is a Session IPA. Hunter, which is a Hell's Lager. Baller, which is an IPA. Ranger, which is a pale ale. And Carver, which is a micro IPA. Now, what are you getting from the sense of those names and, and the, you know, what that means as a family of beers? Well, it, it just reminds me a bit of a, like, computer game. Each character in the computer game. Yeah, characters. Each, each beer has been given this kind of real personified, character um you know like they're almost grand theft also ish characters yeah well i mean also because when you look at them as well i know for the listeners who are just hearing this what what each can has a has a certain character or person let's say designed so the het cat that i am drinking is a guy in a red anorak holding the het cat sign <laughs> um have you have you read the descriptions of each beer though no tell me tell me what you've learned so, so, so it's a Hepcat. I'm also drinking Hepcat as well. Um, and, I, and I just wanted to read a bit more about it. But it goes, this is Hepcat, a session IPA. Um, goes well with dance floors and smooth moves. And then I'm assuming this is Marcus. He's our design illustrator and friend. He likes expensive jackets and colouring in. I think Marcus is the bloke on the can. So you think each one of these cans is a person... Either part of the works. brewery or like it works at the brewery. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm just going to read Baller, which is another one they've got. Uh, oh no, cut that bit out because I know other of them do have names for who's on there. So I'm looking at the, so actually to bring to that point, I'm looking at Ranger now. So they're saying yeah. blah, 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 blah. This is Josh. He's a production wonder kid. He likes his comforts and great and the great outdoors. There we go. And then another one. So I'm just looking at the um, the the Carver one and goes. This is Anish. She's our sales whiz. She likes far flung adventures. I think each person on each of these beer cans is somebody who works for the company. Now that's great. I mean, that's quite literally putting your people front and centre of your business. I love that. You know, like really leaning into 
your people are your ambassadors or your brands, you know, like let's actually bring them out. And the fact that they've named their beers after, after core, I mean, six core members of the team, we just mentioned they've got 24 of them. So, you know, you'd be that those six people, it must be very important or at least feel like they're very important by having beers named after them. It's definitely something if I worked for Gypsy Hill, it would definitely be something I would be working towards to get my name on one of those cans. It would be fantastic. What would what would your name be? What was your beer name be then? Um, Hetcat Baller, Carver, Hunter, Ranger, Bandit, um, Swordsman. So you're going to be the Swordsman, okay? The Swordsman. <laughs> swordsman. <laughs> the Swordsman, because if you cross your path, watch out. Like, what, where does the Swordsman <laughs> come from? That makes me sound awful. You came up with the name of the Swordsman as your Gypsy Hill beer. <laughs> I was thinking, I was literally, I was, I was going along the lines of computer games characters. Okay. And I was like, and I panicked and shouted the swordsman. Okay, okay. And <laughs> oh, I quite like mine to be, given that there's like hunter, ranger, carver, baller, bandit. I'd be, let's do, let's go trade, trader. That will fit into that. Trader. Trader. You know, it's about, it kind of makes you yeah. feel like coming and going, a facilitator of things, uh, you know, maybe over the kind of exchange of goods. I, I quite enjoy that. I, I could do this. I could see the trader being a name, uh, you know, the brute. So, like, they're all kind of based on computer game characters. So, you'd be that guy who'd be like, hello there, traveller. What can we trade for today? <laughs> that sounds like a very specific <laughs> game you're talking about. I feel like you need to... T- <laughs> But yeah, yeah, right. You know, look at my wares. Yeah. Have you got coin? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll trade you for a chicken. <laughs> trade you a chicken. So talking about it, okay, so Hepcat itself, which is we both have, is this uh, Session IPA. Uh, it's 4.6%. I'm definitely getting the kind of the fruity, hoppy, citrusy notes that you'd expect from a craft session IPA and I can I can honestly say you know from 2013 they're definitely fitting that craft beer organizational brewery remit that we kind of lump all these these like kind of newer age breweries together you know it's fizzy is not the right word but it's definitely new new, you know flavorsome on your tongue isn't it no they're literally hitting the nail on the head for new age craft brewery they've got the funky can the great flavor um, and kind of like the funky design all over it, um, and yeah, I'm 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 happy for like it's it is a to, it is a new age brewery, it is a modern brewery, and they're and they're aiming for that younger market again. So what I'm finding fascinating about it, I like holding the Hepcat can in my hand. So it's it's obviously a can, it's an aluminium can uh, that's black in colour, but the main body of the can is what looks to be all a label that's been stuck onto this black can. And the label itself is this metallicized, metallic feeling. It's got such an interesting texture to it. Are you, t- are you feeling this, this, this can? Like it's, it's yeah, very I'm... like on my fingers. It feels really nice. Uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of clean. Yeah. You've pulled the label off. I've just, I've pulled the label off. Yeah. And rich destroy me, rich, <laughs> yeah. me destroy can. <laughs> There we go. My name would be the Destroyer. Destroyer. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be a dark stout, wouldn't you, Rich? <laughs> yeah. One of my least favourite ales, but yeah, I'd be a dark stout. <laughs>
So so now you've so now you've ripped off the label. Is it a is it a black solid black can? What's the colour underneath the can? Okay, interesting. Uh, really interesting. So yeah, I mean I don't know. It's fascinating the fact that they've decided to have a label in the first place over over printed on a can. Um, you know, for such an established, I guess established is, a, is maybe the wrong word, but they've been around for 2013. You, you direct printing onto cans is is very much what's happening right now with digital prints. But the fact that they've got a label still applied to a can is uh, is a bit old school. It's a bit like up and coming new brewery kind of vibes, whereas actually, as we know, they're they're quite big and they and they've grown quite a lot. I actually quite like it. Um... I quite like the label sticking on, um, and I have done with other breweries, and um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because I like peeling labels off, um, but no, I think generally I do. I quite like it being stuck on, and I quite like being able to that that they that they can change it easily, changeable. Well, part of this is exactly said. They can use, they can just make cans, or they can buy cans. Let's say that's this black band at the top with this all this text around with Gypsy Hill around it, and then they can slap these different labels on depending on what beer is filled within it. But this is actually a new newish redesign. You know, as I said, they started this up in about 2019. They they changed their beers. Uh, that was not just about the different names of the beers. They're, so their their main beer at the time. Um, Hold that thought. So their main beer, their flagship beer was called Beatnik Pale Ale and it has now become the Bandit, which you'll see is the one that's the one that says it's about gluten beer, gluten free. Okay, yeah. So where do, would you say, outside of the UK, oh no, let me rephrase that. So think about Gypsy Hill. We've kind of given a bit of an overview about how they were started 2013, you know, where they were in South South London, uh, you know, people in the UK might have come across them. Do you think they, you know, what what size do you think they're at in the sense of, are they just a UK distributing company or do you think they go further afield? I think they've made Europe. Okay. And I think there's some European countries who are enjoying Gypsy Hill. How many countries do you think? 15. 15. Are you close? So there's 11 countries in the world okay. that, that in, can enjoy Gypsy Hill products. That includes Lithuania, Norway, Ireland, Denmark, Australia. So, Simo, sell us Simo. if you get a, 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 a Gypsy Hill down under. Go find it, mate. Um, Spain, France, Italy, Sweden, Switzerland, and the Netherlands. So a lot of those nice. are, of course, everything outside of uh, of Australia. And um, is Lithuania in Europe? So yeah. So as we know, as we all know, and we didn't have to Google. Lithuania is part of the EU. <laughs> yeah, just found that. Yeah, that well-known European country, Lithuania. <laughs> Uh, so on Instagram, Gypsy Hill are 27k followers, and Twitter they've got 12k followers. So definitely leaning into um, some of the cool, you know, kind of craft beers. You know, they do a lot of collaborations with companies. So they do quite a few limited editions work, which is great. I can see one that they do with this is Glimmer, which is a tropical stout, which I would love to know and understand what a tropical, tropical stout would stout. be like. 
Yeah, I'm there for that. And they're saying tropical stout because it's got the expected coffee notes, but with those rolling coconut aromas and lashings of tonka. So, so following on with the nomenclature that obviously we just talked about where their, their beers are named after, you know, what could be video game characters, but it could yeah. also be, you know, members of their, their, their team. All of their limited edition beers or their kind of special brews that they refer to them as, uh, have those similar kind of names. It's Glimmer, which is a, is a girl. There's also a Twitcher, which is a double IPA. So, you know, nice. I, I like the, the kind of, it's quite unique how they've done their naming. It's very different. Yeah. I, I can't think of anyone else who does something like this. And even if this isn't actually members of the, um, of the Gypsy Hill team, the fact that they're creating like a personified, you know, a person about each of these beers is quite interesting. They're creating a universe. They're create, they're something like Marvel. They're creating a Gypsy Hill verse. And this is all the characters with inside the Gypsy Hill verse, and that's what they're putting across. So what you're saying is they need to really like think about how they can create an actual world outside of their like physical presence. You think you're saying they need to create a video game is what you're basically going to, or a movie, or a TV series, yeah, or a TV series, yeah. I'd be there for the Gypsy Hill TV series. Like, it's just a group of misfits who decide to start a brewery. Um, I, I think that's the premise. I'm going to pitch that to Amazon Prime or Netflix. Netflix, they take anything. Yeah, I mean, you might need to get their permission to use the Gypsy Hill name <laughs> and sell an idea based on their brewery. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'd definitely go for it. And that's all we have time for in this week's episode of the I'll Try That Podcast. And so from me, Joe, Rich, Barber, and Simo, goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, I'll Try That Podcast.com, and watch us on YouTube. Goodbye now. <laughs>